The tales on this podcast are dark, sometimes scary, and full of adult themes. As a warning, the original story of One Good Turn Deserves Another contains violence, mutilation, and animal cruelty. Please exercise caution for children under 13. King Andre paced back and forth in his council chambers. He could barely hear himself think over the shouting of his royal advisors. You must kill the traitor, one hollered. You gave your word, your highness, another screamed. If the people find out, they'll revolt. King Andre clutched his head in his meaty paws. As powerful and imposing as he was, for the first time in his life, he felt helpless. All of a sudden, he picked up a chair and smashed it against the wall of the chamber. The outburst silenced the council of old men. King Andre looked in each of their eyes. I don't care what I said before. I can't kill my own son. Just then, a voice interrupted from the doorway. Your Highness, perhaps I can help? King Andre turned to see one of his son's loyal servants. Branimir, you better have a good reason for interrupting this meeting. Branimir smiled, a twinkle in his blue eyes. Perhaps there's another way to get rid of your son. I'm Vanessa Richardson. You're listening to Tales, a Spotify original from Parcast. Every Wednesday, we dive into the dark origins of another fairy tale. You can find all episodes of Tales and all other Spotify originals from Parcast for free on Spotify. This week, we're on the run with One Good Turn Deserves Another. This Serbian folktale follows a sensitive prince whose act of mercy portends his doom. Coming up, a prince becomes the prey on a royal hunting trip. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some, the gym is the scariest place of all. But it doesn't have to be. With a personalized plan and expert coaching, Anytime Fitness can help make the gym less frightening. Get more for your gym membership than machines. Get personalized support anytime, anywhere. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. See website for details. One Good Turn Deserves Another comes to us from Serbia and made its international debut in the 19th century. In 1874, a British writer and wife to a Serbian diplomat, Elodie Mijatovic, decided to translate a number of Serbian stories into English. Her collection, Serbian Folklore, features stories from two other 19th century collections, one put together by Serbian writer Vuk Karadic and another by the Society of Young Bosnia. When it was published, Mijatovic's volume caught on around the world. Audiences were enamored with the classic heroes and magical adventures, but more importantly, with the menacing figures who lurked in the shadows. Prince Milorad lagged behind his father's hunting party. Even though he held his horse's reins tight, he kept slipping out of the saddle. He wasn't cut out for riding or hunting for that matter. He was a delicate boy with thin arms, spindly legs, and pale skin. When he was born, doctors said he would die within days, but he hung on, 
much to the disappointment of the kingdom, who blamed him for the queen's death during childbirth. The only person who didn't resent Milorad was his father, King Andre. The powerful ruler seemed to love his son unconditionally and turned a deaf ear on all the criticisms. Milorad loved his father, too, but he always felt like a disappointment in the old man's presence. King Andre was admired by everyone in the kingdom. He was handsome and an incredibly fearless hunter and warrior. Even the way he sat in his saddle seemed to project strength. Milorad spurred his horse over to the king. Father, perhaps I should turn back. You'll have more fun on the hunt without me. King Andre clapped a meaty paw on his son's shoulder. Don't be silly, Milos he said, using his son's nickname. Look at this beautiful countryside. Feel the fresh air in your lungs. Maybe you'll learn to love hunting as much as I do. Milorad shook his head. I don't know why we're doing this. We have plenty of food in the castle. The king let out a hearty laugh. <laughs> we're not hunting for food, my boy. We're hunting for sport, for the glory of the kill. The prince sighed. He hated the thought of harming anything, especially animals. King Andre must have noticed because he leaned over to him. Everyone gets nervous on their first hunt. Don't worry, you'll do great. Before Milorad could object, his father rode to the front of the pack. Come on, men, a gold coin to the first kill of the day. The men cheered and raced into the forest. Prince Milorad tried to follow after them, but he quickly fell behind. Only one person hung back with Milorad, his servant, Bronimir. The young man sidled up to him. What's wrong, your highness? I thought hunting was your favorite pastime. Milorad chuckled. He and Bronimir occasionally shared a laugh. Even though they were separated by class, they had become good friends. Ironically, Bronimir looked more like a prince than Milorad. He was handsome, with muscular arms and a strong jaw. Milorad always felt a pang of jealousy when he saw how the young women in the castle looked at him. The servant had an effortless, charming way about him. Milorad shook his head at Bronimir. You know I'm only here because it makes my father happy. Bronimir smirked. Your Highness, you might not be in a hurry to hunt, but I could sure use that gold coin. Come on! Bronimir spurred his horse and raced ahead to catch the hunting party. Milorad sighed and realized he had no choice. He had to at least make it look like he was hunting. Before he urged his horse onward, he reached forward and fed it an apple. He patted it on the neck and then flicked the reins to catch up. Moments later, Milorad realized that he had lost sight of Bronimir and the other men. He knew they couldn't have gotten far, so he headed deeper into the forest. Soon, the trees grew dense. Brush and foliage blocked the prince's sight. He slowed his horse to a halt. As he looked around at his surroundings, he realized he was completely lost. Thankfully, he heard rustling in the bushes ahead. Bron? He called out, Bronimir, is that you? There was no response, and oddly, the movement stopped. Milorod squinted ahead at the undergrowth. He thought he could see the brown of Bronimir's horse. Ha ha, very funny, Bron. Come on out. 
Suddenly, something stepped from the brush, but it wasn't Bronimir or any of the other hunters. It was a wild boar. It was the biggest Milorod had ever seen. It was tall and muscular, almost the size of a bear, with long, twisted tusks. Before Milorod could turn his horse and gallop away, the boar was on them. It swung violently with its tusks and ripped through the horse's stomach. Blood and intestines spilled to the ground. Instantly, the horse collapsed, sending Milorod sprawling to the ground. The prince tried to scramble away, but the boar cut off his escape. The animal began circling, plotting his next attack. Milorod suddenly remembered the bow and quiver of arrows on his shoulder. He had never shot an animal before, but this beast aimed to kill him. Milorod reached for the bow and readied it to shoot, but his fingers fumbled with the arrows. He couldn't seem to pull one from the quiver. Finally, he gave up and tossed the weapon at the animal. The boar didn't seem to notice. It lowered its head and prepared to charge. The prince crouched down and shielded his face with his hands. This is it, he thought. I'm going to die like a coward. He waited for the sword-like tusks to sink into his ribs, but they never came. Instead, he heard a sickening crunch and the thud of a body. Milorod peeked through his splayed fingers and saw a shocking sight. The boar lay dead at his feet with a spear protruding from its skull. Crimson blood pooled around its body. The prince glanced about for whoever had thrown the spear. He expected it to be one of his father's hunters, maybe even King Andre himself. But his eyes went wide when he saw a strange figure behind a nearby tree. It wasn't anyone he recognized. In fact, he wasn't even sure if it was human. The creature had a body like a man, but it was covered in a layer of coarse, dark hair. As the figure stepped forward, Milorod trembled. Please, don't kill me, he cried. The wild man didn't seem to be a threat, though. He strolled over to the boar and pulled the spear from the animal's head. He cleared his throat and spoke softly, almost gently. His voice wavered as if he hadn't spoken in years. It's okay. You're safe. Milorod stepped back in shock. Thank you. You saved my life. W what's your name? The wild man looked around as if trying to remember. I am Goron. And I... Before Goron could finish his thought, a net suddenly ensnared him. Milorod turned in shock to see his father gallop from the woods. The king raised his fist triumphantly. Well done, son. Not only did you kill a boar, you distracted this wild man long enough for me to capture him. Milorod held up his hands. Wait, father, there's been a mistake. Before Milorod could explain, the hunting party arrived. A great cheer went up amongst them. Some clapped Milorod on the back in congratulations. In the commotion, Milorod tried to explain what happened. Father, please listen. But it was too late. The king was already distracted by securing the net to two horses. 
Milorod watched as Goron reached his hand out to him through the net. The wild man's soft voice was barely audible in the melee. Help me. Milorod tried, but there was nothing he could do now. After a moment, the hunters let out a whoop and dragged Goron off through the forest. Just then, Bronimir rode over to Milorod. Your Highness, how did you do it? Milorod shook his head, still in shock. Beginner's luck, I guess? Milorod felt his stomach twist into a knot as the lie rolled off his tongue. Bronimir patted him on the back, a look of jealousy thinly disguised under his smile. Then they both followed after the hunting party. Later that evening, after hours of riding, King Andre led the group into the castle courtyard. Citizens gathered to see the men return from the hunt. King Andre jumped down from his horse. Ladies and gentlemen, noblemen and merchants, on most excursions, we return with deer, foxes, perhaps a bear. But today, we caught something of great value, something that we've heard tales of but never seen. Thanks to my son, the hero, we caught a wildling. As the crowd erupted in cheers, the king gestured for Milorod to join him. Today, I'm not only a proud hunter, I'm a proud father. Milorod's cheeks glowed crimson, and he averted his gaze. He wanted to tell his father and the crowd that the man in the net had saved his life. But what could he do now, in front of all these people? He'd just have to find a way to tell his father, or have the guards let Goron out. But then, King Andre's voice grew deep and echoed in the castle courtyard. Make it known to the entire kingdom. This is my greatest trophy ever. He'll be locked in the dungeon, only to be let out when I say. He took a breath and continued. If anyone touches this prisoner without my permission, I will kill them on the spot. Coming up, the prince repays a debt. Massive spiders, fierce crocodiles, violent kangaroos. With all of the dangers lurking within Australia, one species remains feared above the rest. Humans. Hi listeners, it's Alastair from Parcast, and I'm hosting a new Spotify original called Crime Down Under. Every Sunday on Spotify, take a trip to the oldest continent for some of the most shocking true crime cases in modern history. Featuring a compilation of episodes from shows across Parcast Network, Crime Down Under exposes the vicious serial killers, mysterious disappearances, and terrifying crime families whose stories still stop Aussies dead in their tracks. From the beaches and deserts to the cities and suburbs, the land down under may be vast, but the horrors are hiding around every corner. Catch a new episode of Crime Down Under every Sunday. Listen free only on Spotify. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some, the gym is the scariest place of all, but it doesn't have to be. 
With a personalized plan and expert coaching, Anytime Fitness can help make the gym less frightening. Get more for your gym membership than machines. Get personalized support anytime, anywhere. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. See website for details. Now back to the story. After the long day of hunting, Prince Milorad retreated to his bedchamber. There, he sank into his bed, buried his face in his pillow, and cried. He tried to quiet the storm in his mind, but he still felt sick. Going hunting with his father was enough to push him far out of his comfort zone, but on top of that, he had almost been killed by a wild boar. Thankfully, he was saved by a fur-covered forest man named Goron. Then, Goron was captured and imprisoned by the king. As Milorod debated what to do next, there was a knock on his door. When the prince opened it, he saw Bronimir. The servant looked confused. Your Highness, have you been crying? Milorod laughed off the question. <laughs> of course not. I'm fine. Probably allergies to the forest. Bronimir looked at him skeptically. Well, I do know one thing. You didn't kill that boar. I'm guessing that beast man your father captured saved you, right? Milorod went pale with shock. Was he so transparent? But then again, Bron had been his best friend since childhood. The prince nodded reluctantly. I tried to tell my father, but he wouldn't listen. Bronimir smiled knowingly. I guessed it. He paused and glanced over his shoulder to make sure the door was closed. A word of advice, don't tell anyone. Milorad shook his head uneasily. I have to do something. Goron saved my life, and now he's being treated like a criminal. Bronimir placed his hand on Milorad's shoulder and leaned in close. Sometimes, to get what you want, you have to step on someone else's back. Your father is more proud of you than he's ever been. The kingdom considers you a hero. Don't ruin it for yourself. Then, Bronimir stood and bowed to the prince. Try and get some rest, hero. Of course, that night, the prince could barely sleep. He tossed and turned in his bed. When he finally fell into a slumber, his dreams were filled with horrifying images of his horse's intestines spilling out, of the boar's eyes staring him down, and then of Goron being dragged away. In the middle of the nightmare, Milorod shot awake, his sheets drenched in cold sweat. After a moment, he realized it was all a dream. To his horror, though, he could still hear Goron's voice in the room. Help me! The wild man cried. Help me! At first, Milorod thought he must still be dreaming. He pinched himself and realized that he was awake. At that point, he leapt from his bed and searched for the source of the voice. He peered under the bed and in his closet. He pressed his ears against the cold floorboards, but he still couldn't pinpoint where it was coming from. It was just a soft, constant cry. Help me! Milorad knew Goron was being held in the dungeon across the courtyard, but there was no way his voice could carry that far. Still, Milorad knew he had to check, so he swallowed hard and crept through the castle to the entrance of the prison. 
The prince descended a spiral staircase into the stone cavern under the castle. At the bottom, he peeked around a corner and noticed that the guard was asleep. Milorad tiptoed past the sentry into the dungeon. He located Goron in the last cell. Goron, Milorad whispered. Was that you calling to me? Goron nodded. It was, but not with my voice, with my heart. Milorod staggered backwards. He had never encountered powers like that. He suddenly wondered if Goron was some sort of woodland sprite. The prince gulped nervously. Maybe Bronimir was right. He shouldn't ruin this for himself. Perhaps he should let Goron rot in the prison. But the prince shook it off. Goron had saved him. He owed him his life. So he found a set of keys nearby and unlocked Goron's cell. The wild man stepped from the cell over to the prince. Milorod flinched, uncertain if the man would hurt him. But then Goron reached out and placed his furry hand on the prince's shoulder. You're an honorable man, a brave man. Thank you. Then Goron disappeared down the hallway. With Goron free, Milorad returned to his bedchamber. He hoped that he could finally sleep with a clear conscience. On the contrary, he slept fitfully. He realized that he had traded one guilt for another. In letting Goron out, he had betrayed his father. The next morning, Milorad looked even paler than usual. King Andre noticed while they ate breakfast. Milos, don't worry, he said. I didn't sleep after my first kill either, but I know what will cheer you up. He gestured to one of his guards. Bring us the wildling, he will dance for us. Milorad's eyes grew wide and he shook his head. No, father, that's not necessary. Once again, he wanted to explain what had happened on the hunt, but he couldn't seem to find the words. He felt paralyzed. Just as he opened his mouth to speak, one of the guards crossed into the room and whispered in the king's ear. Milorad watched a vein pulse in the king's forehead. He's gone! The king roared. He bolted upright from his chair and began pacing. He couldn't escape on his own, so that means one thing. Someone from this castle helped him. The king ordered a thorough search of the castle, from the highest turrets to the deepest crypts below the castle's chapel. In the meantime, he demanded every inhabitant of the castle be brought to the dining chamber. A short time later, the hall was full of cooks, hunters, and merchants, even diplomatic guests from foreign kingdoms. Milorad had never seen so many people gathered in one place before. When everyone was finally together, King Andre marched through the room, peering accusingly at each one of them. Whoever let my wildling out, please step forward. The room remained completely silent. Everyone looked at each other. The king shook his head. No one is permitted to leave until the coward steps forward and faces his punishment. I will let you starve if that's what it takes. Milorad glanced at the scared people. He knew he could end this witch hunt if he just told his father what happened. But every moment, King Andre's fury seemed to grow. 
If no one will confess, then I'll have to interrogate everyone. He grabbed the nearest servant by the neck and lifted him into the air. Was it you? The man shook his head frantically. No, my liege, I swear. The king dropped him and moved to the next person down the line. Before he grabbed the man's neck, Milorod stepped forward. It was me. His voice cracked, echoing off the stone walls. King Andre looked around. Who said that? Milorod inched further ahead. Father, I did it. I freed the prisoner. King Andre shook his head in disbelief. Milos, it was you? He asked. Milorod looked at his father. He had never felt such shame in his life. He hung his head. I'm sorry. I tried to tell you. He saved my life. I owed him. Shouts erupted from the crowd. Execute him, some said. No mercy for the prince, others added. King Andre slammed his fist on a chair. Guards, clear the room. I need to speak with my advisors. The crowds filed out of the hall. Many of them eyed Milorod with disdain. When they were gone, all that were left were a handful of guards, a few gray-haired elders, the king, and Milorod. The king gestured for the men to join him in the council chambers. Milorod started to follow them, but his father held up his hand solemnly. Milorod remained behind with the guards. He suddenly wished he had been more forceful at the start of the hunt. If he had turned around like he had wanted to, none of this would have happened. Milorod realized that didn't matter much now, though. His father had an impossible decision to make, execute his son or risk alienating most of his kingdom. A few moments later, the king returned to the hall, flanked by his group of advisors. But Milorod was surprised to see a new face with them, Bronimir. Milorod tried to catch his friend's eye as they walked by, but Bronimir refused to look at him. Bron, Milorod whispered, what's happening? The group stopped in front of the prince, and the king stepped forward. He took a deep breath and looked squarely at his son. Milos, as you know, the punishment for freeing the wild man was made clear to all. Milorod nodded and felt his throat constrict with fear. He had never seen his father this serious before. He realized his father might have to execute him. He had no choice. All of a sudden, though, the king shot a look at Bronimir and continued. However, I have been reminded there is more than one way to end a life. The king paused and looked away. Milorod could tell the old man was fighting back tears. After a moment, though, King Andre turned back to him. Prince Milorod, you are hereby stripped of your land and titles. From this moment forward, you shall be banished from the kingdom. He paused again, then added... If you return to these lands, we will have no choice but to execute you. Coming up, the prince finds more danger in the forest. Now back to the story. After freeing his father's captive, Prince Milorod suddenly found himself banished from the kingdom. Even though the punishment was better than execution, it was still terrifying. The word repeated over and over in his head, banished, banished. 
even worse than Milorad's fear of being on his own, was seeing the heartbroken look on his father's face. He had never seen the king so distraught. The old man couldn't even watch as Milorad left the room. The prince was given an hour to pack his belongings and leave the castle walls. As he rushed to fill a leather bag with shirts and pants, he heard a knock at the door. Milorad was shocked to see his father standing in the doorway. The king could barely look at his son. Milos, I just want to know, he said sadly. Why did you do it? Milorad hung his head in shame. Because, father, I didn't kill the boar. The wild man did. He saved my life, and I couldn't let him rot in a cell. The king scratched his forehead, confused. Why didn't you tell me? Milorad reached out and grabbed his father's hand. I tried, but you were too busy celebrating, and then it was too late. Besides, it was the first time in my entire life you were proud of me. The king hunched over his son. But I've always been proud of you. Milorad sighed. Yes, you've always said that to me, but I know what people think, what you think. I'm not like you, father. I'll never be a strong hunter or warrior. I'll never be brave like you, but I did what I thought was right. The king stood back and looked at his son. A wide grin spread across his face. You are braver than any of us. The king reached out and embraced his son. They held onto each other for several moments. When they finally broke apart, King Andre wiped his eyes. Milorad looked up at him. I've never seen you cry before, father. King Andre chuckled. Neither have I. The king then cleared his throat and pulled out a coin purse and envelope. You know my duties as a king. I can't pardon you for your crime, but that doesn't mean I can't send you off with resources to start a new life. Take these and head east. Ask for an audience with King Stefan and give him this letter of introduction. He's an old friend. Milorad accepted the items and thanked his father. The king held up his hand. I have one more thing for you. He opened the bedroom door and gestured to someone in the hallway. It was Bronimir, and he had a pack slung over his shoulder. King Andre smiled. I thought you could use some companionship on the trip. Milorad suddenly felt his spirits rise. Even though he was banished, he'd at least have a friend with him. A short time later, Milorad and Bronimir made their way out through the castle gate. Milorad looked back at the walls and towers. He knew it would likely be the last time he'd ever see his home. The two friends headed east toward King Stefan's kingdom. It was a lonely road, and they only encountered a few travelers along the way. Finally, after a long day of hiking, they found a clearing just off the road and set up camp. It looked like a safe location, sheltered from wild animals. As they laid down to rest, however, something rustled in the brush. Milorod sat up, his eyes scanning the shadows. What's that? Bronimir looked around nonchalantly. It's probably a bird, or maybe it's that wild man you let go, your friend. Suddenly, a strange voice growled behind Milorod. 
I'll be your friend if you give me all your gold. Two more figures emerged behind Bronimir, their daggers gleaming in the moonlight. Bandits, Milorod realized. He looked to Bronimir in a panic. The servant was too busy sizing up the three enemies. His hand tightened around the hilt of his sword. Don't give them anything, your highness, he said. They're bluffing. One of the bandits laughed. <laughs> well, your highness, looks like we stumbled onto the right duo. Now hand over the treasure or we'll kill you. Milorod shook his head slightly. We don't have anything. But then Milorod felt the blade press more firmly against his throat. All of a sudden, the prince caved. Okay, okay, he said. My coin purse is right over there. Take it, but please let us live. The leader of the bandits chuckled. That was an easy one. <laughs> Milorod watched them search through their bags. He felt ashamed for giving up so easily, but their lives were worth much more than a few pieces of gold. One of the bandits stood up with the little velvet pouch in his hand. Got it, he said. Milorod nodded. Now, please leave us be. Before the man could respond, though, a sword pierced through his skull and out of his mouth. Only a muffled gurgling emanated from his face. Milorod realized it was Bronimir's sword. The two other bandits screamed, You'll pay for that! Bronimir didn't respond with words, only with steel. He stabbed one of the bandits in the chest. Then he sliced across the third man's arm, nearly severing it at the elbow. The man collapsed to the ground, grabbing his open wound. Bronimir stood over him. Get out of here, or I'll kill you too. In an instant, the man scrambled to his feet and disappeared into the forest, with barely a second glance at his dead compatriots. Milorod noticed that Bronimir's voice sounded different. It had an icy, detached tone, unlike the one he had known his whole life. It wasn't only Bronimir's voice that was strange. Milorod watched in shock as Bronimir wiped the blood from his blade on one of the dead bandits. Let's pack up. I don't want to sleep next to corpses. Milorod stood up from the ground. You... you killed them, he stammered. Bronimir strolled over to Milorod, so their faces were only inches apart. I just saved your life, he said, his voice thick with disdain. Don't question the way I did it. Now, let's go. At their second camp... Bronimir slept soundly while Milorod tossed and turned. He couldn't shake the images of the dead bandits. He wondered what more danger lay in store for them on this journey. The next morning, before they continued on toward King Stefan's domain, the two young men found a well filled with water. They knew they'd need to stay hydrated during the long day. When they peered inside, however, they found that there was no bucket or rope, and the water was just out of reach. Bronimir turned to Milorod. If I lower you down by your ankles, can you fill up our skins? Milorod knew it was a dangerous task, but he trusted Bronimir more than anyone besides his father. Moments later, Bronimir held the prince's legs and lowered him into the darkness. Milorod worked quickly to fill their water skins. Then he called up, I've got them, Bron! Pull me back up! 
but the prince didn't feel any movement from above. Bron? he asked, concerned. Suddenly, the servant's voice echoed down the well. It was as cold and measured as the night before. You know what I realized last night, Milos? You're not just a sensitive soul, you're also tragically naive. All of a sudden, Milorod's stomach went light as Bronimir released one of his ankles. Milorod tried to steady himself against the stone wall. Bron, what are you doing? Bronimir laughed. <laughs> I'm giving you a choice. Either you switch identities with me and hand over that letter of introduction, or I drop you down the well. Milorod's chest tightened with panic. He knew he was helpless. If Bronimir dropped him, he might be able to float in the water, but he'd never get out. The well's stone walls were too slick to climb. He realized Bronimir had him trapped. He hung his head in resignation. Okay, I'll do it. After a moment, Bronimir hoisted the prince back to the surface. Milorod fell to his knees, gripping the soft earth beneath him. When he looked up, a sword was pointed at his throat. Bronimir pointed it at Milorod. Give me your clothes. From now on, those are mine. You'll only wear servants' rags. Milorod obeyed Bronimir. As he saw it, he had no choice. He certainly couldn't fight his best friend. He saw what he had done to the three men the night before. So the two young men swapped clothes. When Milorod finally glanced at Bronimir, he realized that his servant actually looked more like a prince than he ever had. Bron was already dashing and handsome. The jacket only sealed the deal. As for Milorod, he gazed at his own reflection in the well. He noticed that Bronimir's dull brown tunic only seemed to enhance his pitiful appearance. He looked even more tragic, malnourished, thin, and frail. A few days later, dressed in their counterparts' clothing, the two companions arrived at a large castle. From the coat of arms emblazoned on the stone gate, they knew this was King Stefan's home. A soldier stopped them as they approached. Who goes there? He asked. Milorod opened his mouth to explain that his father had sent him, but Bronimir elbowed him in the ribs. Bronimir cleared his throat. <clears throat> I am Prince Milorod, and this is my servant. Bronimir turned with a cold stare to the prince. The unspoken promise of violence glistened in his eyes. Go on, servant, he said. Don't be rude. Introduce yourself. Milorod swallowed a lump in his throat. I, I'm Bronimir, he said finally. I'm the prince's servant. Bronimir slapped him across the mouth, drawing blood. Is that how you address me? Milorod hung his head in shame. No, your highness. Bronimir's face contorted into an evil grin. That's more like it, he said with a laugh. Milorod suddenly realized that he had not only been banished from his father's kingdom, his life as he knew it was over, and the terrors that replaced it were just getting started. 
Thanks for listening to Tales. We'll be back on Wednesday with the exciting conclusion to One Good Turn Deserves Another. You can find more episodes of Tales and all other Spotify originals from Parcast for free on Spotify. Join me next time for more of this dark and surprising fairy tale. Tales is a Spotify original from Parcast. Executive producers include Max and Ron Cutler. Sound design by Nick Johnson, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Trent Williamson, Carly Madden, and Travis Clark. This episode of Tales was written by Joseph Bricker, with writing assistance by Adam De Silva and Nora Battelle. Fact-checking by Adriana Romero, and research by Mickey Taylor. I'm Vanessa Richardson. Hi there, it's Alastair from Parcast. You may have heard of the Somerton Man, Azaria Chamberlain, or the Wonder Beach Murders. But do you know the whole terrifying truth? Be sure to check out my new series, Crime Down Under, where we travel to the land down under to explore the most shocking true crime cases in Australian history. Follow the Spotify original from Parcast, Crime Down Under, and catch a new episode every Sunday, free and only on Spotify. Spotify.